Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Jane Walton, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. It's always great to be with you, Mark. Thanks for having me today. It's great to have you back. Um, let me remind people who you are. Jane Walton leads a leadership and organization development firm focused on teaching leaders and teams how to unleash their collective power through effective planning, collaboration, and execution. She approaches organizational issues with the understanding that when people work effectively together, the personal and business payoff is substantial. And Jane's been with us. I think this might be the winner. She may have the award of the most uh, guest appearances here on the show. Uh, episode 88, How to Avoid Burnout. Episode 206, Organize Your Business Using Six Proven Principles of Design. And just recently, episode 319 and 320 was a two-parter, Unleashing the Collective Power of Teams, which was super interesting. That's something everybody should be listening to. So if you haven't listened to those, those four episodes, definitely hit the last two, 319 and 320. Today, I invited, because during one of those episodes, I think it was the last episode in 320, um, uh, Jane had mentioned that, or we were talking about delegation and I said, well, we have to have you back Jane to talk about delegation because that's something that so many of us architects struggle with. Um, and it's so important, you know, as business leaders, as a, a leader in architecture, trying to run an architecture firm, especially as small firms, we wear so many hats. Delegation is critical. It's not just an option. It's something that we have to do. And so many of us struggle with giving up the authority to someone else to let them do it. And so I invited, invited Jane back to dive deep into this. And before we get into delegation, if you want to hear Jane's origin story, you go back to one of the original episodes. We're not going to dive into the origin story today. Uh, she, she is not an architect, but she has architecture in her blood. So if that's a teaser, go back and listen to her story. It's a great story. Um, but Jane, um, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I want to just give a little bit of a, a, an intro into our topic here, and then we'll roll and dive really deep into delegation and give some people some really practical advice on how to do this effectively. I've, I've written about the topic of getting things done before. I've had episodes on the podcast about getting things, some things done, about productivity. Productivity is a, is a topic that comes up 
very often in the community. Uh, small firm owners, small business owners, we're wearing so many hats. We're doing so many different things. We're trying to keep all the balls in the air. When everybody, anybody ever asks me how I'm doing, I'm always saying, oh, keeping all the balls in the air. Very, every once in a while, I have to dive for that one ball and just reach it, just pop it back up in the air and it goes back up in the air. As long as I keep those balls in the air, I'm in business. And so that's how I feel. I'm constantly sort of keeping those balls in the air and doing so many different things. But, but in order to be more, most effective, right? We, we should be doing the things that we should be doing. And there's a process to get to that. What should we be doing? Because that's a really critical question that you should ask yourself. What should I be doing? And so the first thing I ask people to do when they ask me this, if I do this in a coaching call, I'll say, take out a piece of paper, open up an Evernote, whatever you want to do, and list everything that's on your mind, everything that you are doing uh, as a business owner, as a parent, as a spouse, everything. Pour it all into this list just to get it out of your head and onto a, a piece of paper or onto a digital format just so it, you can empty your brain. Just dump it all into one place. Then go through that list and, put to, and organize it. Organize it into different categories and start off by, by making three columns and organizing the list into three columns. Things you can't do or things you can't do well, because really we could probably learn to do anything, but the things that you really can't do well, the things that are not your strengths, right? Because we should be focusing on the things that we're strong at, right? And let somebody else deal with the things that you're, that you're weaker at. And so the things that you can't do well is one list. Things that you should not be doing, right? And you can probably think of many things that you should not be doing, uh, but you're doing. And things you can't do uh, that you don't want to do. That's the third. So the first list is can't do well, things you should not do, and things that you don't want to do. So, so maybe you're good at it and you can do it, uh, but you don't like it and you don't want to do it, right? So that's something that you can also uh, do. So you, you list out everything like that. And then anything that's not on one of those three lists are the things that you should be doing, the things that you should be focusing on as a business leader, as, a, as an architect, as a parent, as a spouse. Those are the things that you need to focus on in your life. Now, there's, those other three lists are a lot of things, right? So now you have to deal with those, right? Because they're still your responsibility. Those things still need to get done. So the next step after you have this, this list, and it's going to end in delegation, which is where we're going with this. But if you do that three list, those, those three things, and everything on those, those three th that, that list of items, those three lists of items, you go through a process of checking off elimination, automation, and delegation, right? So the things that you should be doing, you go do. Now those other things on those other lists need to be done in some other way. A massive amount of that list are things that you can just eliminate. Just go through that process. Are these really things that need to get done? Are these really things that are important? If they don't, you know, if they don't happen, will things really fall apart? There's a, there's a significant number of items on your lists that can just be eliminated. So just scratch them off, identify them as elimination and eliminate them from the list. Uh, the next step is to automate. We are living in a world of technology and digital tools that there are hundreds of ways to automate many of the things on those lists. So go through those lists, what can be automated and what is the process of getting them automated? So you don't have to deal with them anymore. They just happen automatically. Um, and so then you've made that list even smaller. Now, what's left on the list of things that need to be done um, that you, you can't do well, that you, that you should not be doing, or things you don't want to do um, that have not yet been eliminated and have not yet been automated, the last thing you can do with them is to delegate them to someone else. And that is why I've invited Jane to come back and talk to us, because Jane has a process. Uh, on how to do this. She's done this with teams. She's done this with business leaders. She's an expert in delegation. And so that's what I want to spend uh, the bulk of this episode, Jane, talking about is delegation and the process of taking the rest of those items on those lists and getting them uh, secure in somebody else's uh, responsibility and, and be comfortable that they're going to get done at the level that we expect them to get done. So thank you, Jane, for coming back. Thank you for for indulging me and letting me go through my process here to get us to the delegation 
Um, but so I'm going to hand it off to you and say, okay, I, I'm now, I've gone through my lists. I've eliminated, I've automated. Um, this is something that I struggle with tremendously. It's one of the things that hold me back as an architect. It's one of the things that hold me back as a business leader with Entree Architect is I want to do it all. I want the control of how, if I do it, I know it's going to be done well. And in my attempts before of, of trying to delegate some of it, I've failed. And so I've pulled it back and I've given it, you know, I've taken it back over and I've, you know, didn't try a delegation and that hurts, you know, that sort of hurts the process. So where do we start? We have this list of things that we know should, someone should else be doing, but we're doing them. Where do we, where do we begin? Where's the beginning of this process? Yeah. So um, a couple of things just to start off is one is, you know, as far as delegating <clears throat> something that you may not enjoy doing or shouldn't be doing, you know, someone else may love doing that. So that's one piece of it is to say what, what, what uh, this could be a great opportunity for someone. The second part is what could start off as a great opportunity, very exciting, can turn sour very, very quickly. So it, it turns into, I was really excited about this and this has become a nightmare. And that's because the handoff wasn't done well. Right. So, um, so I think that's, that's the part of it is you all can be really excited and then it starts turning sour. And, you know, as a leader, it's doesn't, that turning sour, you kind of taste it here and there, but the other person really feels it. So when it doesn't go through, I mean, they know they're getting an opportunity and when that doesn't go well, it can be pretty devastating for some folks. So just to realize that this is a big thing. You know, the process, I, I, uh, I've got two things here. One is, you know, there's... Um, well, it's part of the process, so I'll, I'll jump into it a little bit later. But the process I have is kind of a four-part process. Okay. So part of it is, um, as you're getting ready to delegate or hand something off, is just kind of checking in with the person. You know, I'm meeting with you. I've talked to you about handing this responsibility off for you. Maybe you're going to PM this project instead of me. Um, so let's just do a check in. How are you feeling? How are each one of us feeling about this? Um, whether it's taking it on or delegating, what are you excited about? What are you, con what are concerns that you might have and what needs to be discussed to make sure it's a well thought through process. So you may say, you know what, I'm reluctant, quite frankly, to delegate this. I'm used to having a lot of control. So just, you know, as far as a check in, I know it needs to be done. It's going to be difficult for me. So just, you know, understand that the person taking it on may say, uh, this is great. I never thought of doing something like this. I'm not sure how well I'll do, but I'm up for the task. So you sort of know where people's heads game is going into it. And I think to start this off to say, let's just get be really open about this and, and really think through it because if the relationship is new, um, or someone's got some bad experiences is taking something on or whatever, the check-in may be, um, just know it may, you don't want it to be, but it may be kind of a cursory level. That's why the checkout's going to be important at the end, uh, because someone may not want to be real vulnerable at the beginning. But if you start off with being kind of, um, you know, if, if you're, I wouldn't even say start off, maybe have them start off, but if you're pretty vulnerable and you keep kind of digging into this, um, I think it'll ease some stuff up. Um, and then also in the check-in is um, what's going to make this transition a success, both for you, for me, the client of PM as an example, the client that we're working with, and what could make this transition fail. So the check-in is just kind of, let's just talk at a kind of a high level about this. How are we feeling about it? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm working with a firm that's, that um, has some new, promoted some new folks into principal. And so they need to give up their PM role because business development is going to be something that they're going to do. And some of them, all of them are pretty nervous about it. I'll tell you that. Some way more nervous than other because they may like the role that they're kind of handing off a little bit. But what's interesting in talking to each, it's, the question is, I'll say, um, how do you feel that next level's prepared for this? 
Well, I think pretty good. I feel good about it. We've been working. I feel confident they can. And others may say, well, I don't know. I don't know if they can do all of it. But what's interesting is when I talk to the people that they're going to hand it off to, they go, oh, we got this. Now, I'm going to need some help here and there, but I am confident. And they're eager and confident. Um, so again, that's where that check-in is really important for, the, for them to kind of understand uh, this person's feeling real good about it. Let's kind of find out why, or they're a little bit hesitant. Let's talk into that. So check-in is something that instead of just jumping in and talking about the transition, it's really kind of talking through this. Yeah. I, I think that that point is super critical, the communication process and the, and the, uh, to be vulnerable because as a leader, when you're vulnerable, it opens up and gives permission to the person that you're talking to that they too can be honest about how they're feeling. Um, and make sure that you don't react in a negative way when they do open up to you um, and, and, and be honest about how they're feeling, that this is a process, that you have to trust them, they need to trust you, and this, is, this check-in is the beginning of that. Yeah, and I like what you said, because part of it can be, you know, I'm kind of nervous about this. Oh, don't be nervous, you're going to be just fine. You just missed a huge opportunity to find out what are you nervous about? Let's kind of break it apart. What parts are you nervous about? Well, I'm pretty busy right now with stuff and I'm adding this to my plate. Or I've never worked directly with a client and now I'm going to, or this client's kind of difficult. You're missing a huge opportunity if you don't dig in. So I would say in each of these is keep digging in. Give me, so you're, you're tentative. Talk to me a little bit about that. Or when you're giving feedback, I'm kind of nervous about this. And as I think through it, it's because... Um, you know, I want our level of, of communication with a client to be consistent. I want the timeline to be, I want, there's, there's a lot of information under some of these general statements that you make. So this is really not just a, this isn't a, a three minute conversation with these questions. If it is, you're missing some stuff. So really yeah. dig into those. And it, and it may be more than one meeting. It may be multiple. Yes. Yeah. Um, the other thing. The other thing it may do is it may also give you much more confidence to go forward with the other steps that when you when you dig in and you learn more about them, that tentative feeling that you had of giving up something, you may learn through this process that they are way more qualified than you thought they were. They are way more prepared. They are way more eager and confident that they can handle this. And right from day one, because you've gone through this check in process, you can go forward with much more confidence of handing this off. Right. Well, and I remember once working with a woman who, who had a project, she ended up leading it, a lot of stuff happened, it all kind of fell on her shoulders. She did an amazing job. And so then the, us as a team were thinking, oh, well, she's our go-to for that transition. And she said, if I had to do this again, I'll quit. It's, it was not easy for me. It was not comfortable. I, my health suffered from stress, you know. So, you know, this, this check-in, just because they did a good job doesn't mean they in, enjoyed it and they wanted to do it. They want yeah, to do it again. Good too. point. Yep. Yeah. The um, second part is looking at roles and responsibilities because a lot of times, you know, you just use an example at the end of the day, um, you may delegate something, but um, you know, what level of authority does the person have as an example, but let me kind of go through these steps. So the first one is, you know, let's talk through the things that we're delegating. So it, again, it could be a piece or two. It could be everything. You know, when I look at, I have a decision-making model that I use for um, when I train leaders, and it can go from six levels, one from uh, no authority, they're just reporting, to total authority and no reporting necessary. So it can be, I want you to research the problem, report the findings. I want you to research the, pro that's one, research, develop alternative solutions, report findings. Three, research, develop solutions, recommend solutions. They seem cursory, but they, they each take different time. And you don't, what you don't want is someone spend 100 hours on something and you thought it, it was going to be 10 because you didn't talk about um, what authority and what levels that you wanted them to have. So part of this is anything from just look into it to look into it, do a real thorough review of it, figure it out, the cost, how we're going to implement, you know, these are all different, different things. So you want to make sure, and I've got both of these things that we're talking about. If people want to email me, um, I'll, I'm happy to send it to them. Now, I was going to ask you to finish the list, but if they can email you and get, get the list, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll yeah. share your email at the end. Yeah. So with it, it's what's being, what's being delegated. 
And then what's, what are you keeping? So I'm delegating this to you, but I'm keeping this. And that can be con uh, connection with the client. It could be decision being made. It can be, you know, whatever it is. But this is what's delegating. This is what we're keeping. And here's what we're going to co-manage. So that comes up a lot of times in, if I'm going to, um, but you're going to move you into more of a PM role on this. The co-managing might be, um, managing the client. You know, you may want to delegate the day-to-day -day of the project and making sure we're keeping on time, on budget, and in scope. Um, but what are we co-managing? And then with that co-managing authority, you versus me. And then when an issue arises, how do we agree to handle it? So an example of that is um, uh, you may be on site and the client's there and says, uh, and, and the, the person you delegated to isn't, um, or they may be standing next to you, but let's say they're not. Uh, they're going to say, hey, we're running into these problems um, and we're concerned you need to fix it. And you may want to just completely take over that. Right. But even with the client to say, um, have you discussed this with Joe? Oh, yeah, I did, but you're here. So I also wanted you to know. Or, oh, I haven't discussed it with Joe. Okay. Do you want me to discuss it with Joe or, or do, you know, they may say we have got a regular meeting. So you're not jumping in and taking over. Um, and so you're keeping the integrity of that other person's authority in this. So again, that co-managing, you're, you're going to talk about um, what that looks like on authority. So again, by letting the client know, instead of going, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I gotta go. And then you go back and you hear from the person, I already know that, we're on it, we've already, you know, you just created, um, uh, you, you, you ruined their authority with the client and th you, their trust with you, that emotional bank account just took a little bit of a nosedive there. Yeah. So even talking through specifics, um, and then again, with that person, when issues arise, how do we agree to handle it? How do you want to handle and how do I? Um, so with the client, with the team itself, if things are kind of going askew and project deliverable. So how do we want to handle this? And, and maybe it would be a good idea in that. So let's look at some scenarios, you know, maybe of situations we've been on, on what kinds of issues could come up. Um, so again, you don't swoop in, take over and everything's you know, a great thing turned out to be horrible because that, that communication. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. RCAT, Studio Services Bookkeeping, FreshBooks, and Twinmotion. I'm hearing it more and more among the Entree Architect community. Your workload is piling up. And with project conditions changing and limited time to get things done, it's good to have information at your fingertips. RCAT.com provides architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content. And it's designed so you can access it quickly and efficiently. And even better, RCAT.com is free. It's free to use and requires no registration. So visit today at rcat.com and access the information you need now. That's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T dot com. Studio Services Bookkeeping, a division of Charette Venture Group, provides concierge remote bookkeeping services to small firm architects. Liberate yourself from bookkeeping tasks by outsourcing to trusted professionals who understand the nuances of your industry and your firm size. You can maintain control of your finances without doing all bookkeeping tasks yourself. Studio Services Bookkeeping goes beyond traditional bookkeeping to help you manage cash flow, analyze project profitability, handle invoicing, and streamline your financial systems. Learn how to start outsourcing your bookkeeping today at ss-bookkeeping.com slash entrearchitect. And mention Entree Architect and get five hours of free bookkeeping with a six-month contract. That's ss-bookkeeping.com slash entrearchitect. When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting on your own, 
you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like you. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 hours that you can spend nailing a client pitch, serving your clients, or honing your craft as an architect. From building, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business. It's also super easy to get up and running. And the award-winning FreshBooks support team is always available to answer questions. Try FreshBooks today for free. 30 days, no credit card required. 30 days. Go to entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and get more time back to build the business you love. What if you could visualize your building in a couple of clicks, remove months from the design process, or create a bridge between stakeholders to solve problems before they even come up? Our friends at Twinmotion offer simple, real-time visualization for architects. Their technology lets you view and edit your scene on the go in the same pixel-perfect quality as the final rendering. Twinmotion seamlessly integrates with other tools like SketchUp and Revit, transforming your BIM or CAD models into high-quality images, panoramas, VR videos, or presentations. Sound complicated? Well, what if I told you that Twinmotion enables anyone to present the biggest ideas in the easiest way possible, regardless of previous CG experience? To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect. That's twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Before we move into the next one, and this may be one of the other two because I don't know what this next step is, but, but once you've determined the level of authority and the role and the responsibility, um, is there a process for communicating that role and those, that authority to your team and to the client and to the other yes. people who, who need to know? Absolutely. It's imperative. You know, I, I, I'm working with a, a, a group that's doing an amazing job with sort of succession planning. And they have these huge overlaps in their succession plan. So this person's going to, you know, it's going to be moving into this. And it really puts the team out of balance a little bit because it's like, well, who am I supposed to work with on what in this? Right. Um, um, and so even with that project, but yes, execution's the next part and communication okay. that is, it, it's imperative. And, and it's one mark that's missed a lot of times. So the again, the team's confused. They keep going here and the person's like, you're supposed to be going there. And, you know, it creates frustration that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, on all three parties, the client gets frustrated, the 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 leader gets frustrated, and the the person that you've delegated that role to gets very frustrated because you've yeah. given them the authority, and then you've you've broken some of that authority down. That you've broken that trust with that with the person that you've given the authority, and and it falls apart. I've seen that over and over and over again uh, in firms that I've worked with. I've seen that I've done that myself in my own firm. Uh, just accidentally, you don't even realize it. You sort of jump in as a superhero to fix something. And then you realize you just undermined everything that your, you know, project manager has built up over the past, you know, months and years. Yeah. And you know, when I, when I, uh, in coaching, when I talk to a leader that's moving into a new role, and when I talk about that scenario of a, of a, a leader or a client coming up, you know, uh, out of nowhere, you know, I'm really mad about this. The way I talked about that, how to handle it, let, help me understand that let's, what is, have you talked to Joe about what now, how, it, it's almost like deer in the headlights for almost every one of them to go, oh, that would be good. Cause it's not a natural way to go about it. Cause you want to please the client. You want to, you want to make sure they're calmed down. But um, it, this, that's a really, really important step, I think. Yeah, the third part is execution. So first of all, um, during this transition, let's have some touch base meetings um, 
and it, they may be more frequent at first and then they, they die, die off as things go forward. But what are the things that we need to touch base on and the frequency of the meetings? So again, this is a process of transition. It's not like, boom, it's yours. Because you, like you said, there's gonna be stuff that comes up that, that needs to be discussed. So let's have some meetings to talk about how it's going and is there anything we missed or anything we just need to make sure we need to pay attention to and then communicating the change which is what you said so communicating the change to the client to the team and, and any others in the company even you know or the uh maybe you have uh outsourced some things but make sure people know so the client needs to know who to go to for what so did you did you delegate everything or part of it? So what types of things do you continue to come to me with and what types of things will Joe be helping you out with? So think through that and that gets back up to delegating, keeping, co-managing. Um, and then be thoughtful on the communication. So who needs to know first, who needs to know second and so forth. So you don't want, you don't want, for instance, you don't want the team to not know and then be, be, well let me put it there client might you may need to get the buy-in of the client so part of it might be they're they're okay with this so you need to get that all cleaned up maybe before the team but but think through who needs to know um who's going to be directly related to coming to you um so typically for instance in a meeting when i talk about stuff it's if we've decided made a decision on it then the next you know level sort of a, of authorities need to know but um yeah i would say i'm kind of flipping here you can tell if if you're not sure if the client's going to be okay with this you do need to talk through that with them and get that cleaned up before you talk to the team um but if it's a new project right and um then yeah so you want to make sure people who need i i look at it this way anyone who's going to have to address a question was for someone else needs to know before they do. So if someone's going to come to someone with questions, they need to be all teed up and ready to go before. Yeah, and there's different scenarios. You had mentioned yeah. that, that if this is a situation where, and this is much easier with a new project, right? So because you can set the expectation that, okay, Joe's going to be your project manager and everybody's like, okay, that's the way it's going to be. Joe's the project manager. If, if you start off as the project manager and then somewhere along the line you switch to another person, that's when you have to do a lot of work with communication and expectations. So the client feels comfortable that this is not a, you know, a, a downgrade from what they're paying for or what they expect. And so if it's clean and starting at a new process, this is a much easier process than doing it in the middle. You can do it in the middle, yeah. but, it's, but it takes a lot more work and a lot more effort. Um, and, and that communication of authority has to be to, to all parties. So it needs to be to the client, it needs to be to the team below the person that you're giving that authority to. So now they know and they understand who is in charge, who has that authority that they now need to, you know, look to this person rather than you and, you know, above the, uh, the, the level going up the ladder, the other leaders in the firm also need to know the authority has shifted uh, right. from you to the person that you're delegating. So they understand who they're talking with and who has that authority um, and because if they don't know, then they may undermine that person who has the authority. So the communication needs to happen everywhere in a very intentional way. Yeah. And I think, and then looking at kind of a timeline with that too, to say, here's when we're going to do this again, do we need to do it really fast or it's going to take two weeks to get in with us? But just to make sure anytime someone says, well, I didn't know that then you know uh, you missed the mark on something. Um, so really thinking through and even subs, I was, facilitating a few sessions with a whole project team. It was a design build. GSA was the client and there were lots of different subs. And all of a sudden, you know, in one meeting, uh, there were a couple of really senior people in from some of these sub teams that hadn't been there before. So you kind of look around and go, well, why are they there? So it's important for them in that meeting to say, I'm here because, right. you know, so even little things, again, when you're thinking of authority, um, and if you're taking something over that people might not know about. Um, but I think, yes, to make sure you're communicating and you're communicating in a timely manner and in the order that makes sense. All right. So we have the first three is check-in, uh, 
roles and responsibilities and execution. Right? Yes. Those are the first three. So, so what's the fourth one? So the fourth one's check out. So this is that first meeting. So you want to summarize, what did we discuss? What did we decide? And what's pending that we need to figure out? And this is critical because a lot of times someone will leave thinking, okay, we did all that. And the other person's like, I don't know what that we decided on. We talked about it, but did we decide? So what did we discuss? Let's kind of go through those areas. What did we decide? And then what's pending? We need some more information or, you know, we need to talk to the client first to see what they're comfortable with. And then is there anything we missed? Um, and then how are we, so, you know, what did we maybe not discuss? That may be a good one for the second meeting as you start in getting into something, you go, oh, we didn't talk about this. Uh, but anything we missed and then how are we each feeling after this discussion? You know, um, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling overwhelmed but excited. I'm still kind of confused. I'm feeling that um, one thing we might have missed is I still have all of these things on my plate. So how is that going to be delegated? Who are we going to talk to? Who you know who who um, who's going to be doing that? But um, it's really kind of tying things up. So what we discussed, what we decided, anything that's pending. Um, and then, yeah, how are we feeling about, and again, that's another one to dig into that because you can go back to, you know, from checking in to now I'm feeling better from checking in to now I'm feeling more overwhelmed, you know, so it's really kind of how, are, how, you know, I'm, I'm excited. You know, you hear that I'm cautiously optimistic. Well, let's <laughs> dig into cautiously optimistic. What does that mean? Uh, because cautiously optimistic is a little bit of a, uh, red flag too. There's, you know, opportunity for discussion for sure. Right. Right. And so, so everything that we're talking about, these four steps, check in roles and responsibility, execution and check out, this is all still before they, they commence with the delegated item, right? This is, this is the transition process from you having that responsibility to someone else having that responsibility. This right. checkout is you go through the check-in process, the communication, the define success, all of that. Then you define the roles and responsibilities. What are the items that are going to be uh, delegated? And then you go into the execution. This is how we're going to do this. Who's going to be communicated to? How's this authority going to be transferred? Who needs to know? Uh, and then this checkout, what did we miss? What did we discuss? We went through this whole process. Here's what we discussed. What did we decide? Here's what we decided in this process. And here's what we don't know yet. Here's what's pending uh, that needs to be decided. Uh, right. And what don't we know, right? What is still out there that's, I guess that's part of pending. What's still out there that needs to be uh, decided uh, and discussed before we proceed with this delegation? Yeah, one thing I'm going to add in yep. the, uh, you know, the, the communicating it out that um, I didn't hit on and it just hit me is there could be someone who thought they were going to have that responsibility. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or would have liked that. So that conversation needs to happen pronto. So once, you know, once you go through it and you just have to be really kind of honest on um, why you're delegating to this person and not them. It may be you're slammed on this project. Otherwise you would get, I mean, you know, that could be, or uh, this person has more, a little more experience working with that client. Um, but you've got to be really upfront with what those are. It can be timing and in, in our industry, it timings everything when it comes to some of these things, but you do need to anticipate who, who might've wanted that and isn't getting it. And they need to know certainly before the team, um, and you know, probably before the client too. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important one because that, that person maybe sitting there expecting to be the one that gets delegated to and you pass on, pass them over to someone else. You need to, you need to have a reason why you did that. And you need to be able to communicate that properly to that person. And it may be a completely legitimate reason, right? There may be, you know, that this person didn't have as much authority or didn't have as much experience, but you wanted them to earn more experience. And so yeah. you're giving it to them for an educational purpose so they can learn those, these things. There's, there's some reason you chose this person over that person. That other person should, should know that um, because you probably have other ideas for them. That's part of you as a leader 
have to understand that and have to communicate that to your team properly or else everything starts to break down. If that becomes secret, right? And there's some, some that you've delegated to this person, but that other person doesn't know and you didn't have that conversation with them, that is the beginning of the end of your relationship with that other person. Absolutely. This whole idea of like freezing people out or just start moving, dumbing down their job and loading up other, you know, people that I, I just, those are the most, I get a lot of coaching opportunities with some of those folks who are trying to get over something because they knew there was more to it, but they kind of weren't told and they're trying to figure it out. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so now we have this process, this four step mm -hmm. process to, to, to delegate, to take that item that's on that list of things that you shouldn't be doing or, or you can't do or you don't want to do and you're, you're transferring it to someone else. Now they start doing that work. Is there a process to, to maintain this delegation mm -hmm. to make sure that it stays successful? Because many times I've seen delegation happen and for some reason it gets pulled back because it didn't work, something didn't happen. And if there was some sort of check-in process along the way, that may not have happened if it was done, done properly. So once, once that delegation, that handoff is made, what do we do to make sure that it's successful through the whole project? Yeah, and that's kind of through that execution process, established touch base meetings, agenda and frequency. So I think that's part of it. Um, and I think it's to set that up to say, I'm sure we have not captured any, everything. Um, we both talk about, you know, in the check-in, how we're kind of nervous. So we can anticipate there's going to be a little tripping and stumbling. Just anticipate that. We know that's going to happen. You've got some stuff on your mind that I don't know about and vice versa. So these meetings are going to be really important for us to be candid. And, you know, I, I would just go back through this list. Okay, we said we were delegating that. But it sounds like, so I think this can be kind of a circular motion of stuff, but certainly you want to have meetings regularly after that to go through just, first of all, talking about the transition piece. Yeah. One other thing that I, I wanted to bring up is the importance of your role in this situation as a, as a mentor or a coach, that if you're handing off something that you're really good at and you want someone else to become really good at it if you position yourself as support for that person, that you're handing over the authority, but you're here for them when they need you, uh, that you make that very clear in the roles and responsibilities as well. That's your role and your responsibility that you're handing off this task, but they can rely on you when they need to, a question answered or they, they, they need some support that you're there as a coach, not as somebody who's gonna take it over, but somebody who's there to help them teach, to help teach them what they need to know in order to become really good at this thing that they've delegated. So your role becomes very important as well. And, and the communication of that to all those people back to that communication um, a step is that your role needs to be defined as well now because your role has changed when you've shifted that responsibility to someone else. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, cause things will go wrong. Just know that when yeah. you're delegating. And so I always hear, I, I get frustrated cause I'll hear, well, I assumed that you knew, I assumed. So whenever you say that, go, uh. and then the second is, you know, I hear at their level, I shouldn't have to discuss so-and-so. You know, those two things are, um, I didn't do a very good job being really thorough about this. Or, you know, I remember working with a, I was the employee working with a leader who was brilliant and very, um, they're, you know, if we looked at their strengths, they were someone who really kind of uh, assesses and analyzes and picks through stuff. So I learned in the meetings, I, la I started leaving going, God, do I know anything? I mean, am I, am I a complete idiot? I mean, I just was just kicking myself. And I finally learned I should have known that and I should have been prepared. There's no way I would. And the other is, there's no way I knew that. That was brand new to me. I know it now. So being able to sort through a little bit of that piece of it, um, I think is an, an important distinction. Anytime you're delegating, first of all, you may be doing it one way and they may want to do it another way. You need to talk through that. I had that recently with a team I was facilitating and um, the new person came in with, this is the way they had done it. And this was a highly collaborative group that this person was moving into from a very autonomous group. 
So the culture was different there too. And that's probably a piece of this that could be added in too. And so that's why, you know, really with this check-in and this trade-off to really think through what's important. Uh, the more you do it, the more you're going to be prepared for that because you're going to go, okay, I didn't say that. I need to make sure I say it the next time I delegate something. Uh, but you, we do a lot of assumptions and write those assumptions down so that the person understands. Yeah. And a lot of this comes back to your systems that, that you may have developed a system that you are going to delegate to someone else and, they, and you expect them to use that system in order to execute what you need them to execute on. They may have improvements on that system or they may have their own system that needs to be part of the check-in process it needs to be part of the communication process that how do you expect to accomplish this because, and you need to be open to those opportunities. It may be the wrong process. It may be the right process, it may be a better process. And you as a leader need to open, open your mind a little bit and see those opportunities for what they may be or they may not be, but to, to listen. And, and if you want to talk about teams, go back to episode 319 and 320. And we talked all about that process of listening and being a good leader and working with teams. Listen to those two episodes and, and it'll help you through this process as well. But that's, those are really important points. Okay, Jane, thank you. This is super, super interesting. Let me just go through this process again. Remember the three lists, things you can't do well, things you should not be doing, things you don't want to do. Identify the things that you should be doing and get to work on those things. Take those items that are on those three lists, go through the process of elimination, automation, and delegation, and then execute on your delegation with a check-in, with roles and responsibilities, uh, execution, and checkout. And so if you have any questions, if you want to dive a little deeper or you want to talk through, the, through this a little bit, you can contact Jane. Jane, what's your email? We promised that uh, we would yeah. share that. Jane at janewaltonconsulting.com. Okay, Jane at janewaltonconsulting.com. We'll have um, Jane's email and the website, janewaltonconsulting.com. Links to that on the show notes. So if you're driving, don't worry about it. Just go to the show notes for this episode and we'll have everything there. Um, Jane's also... This is what she does. So if you want her to come into your office, into your studio and work with your team uh, as a coach, as a consultant, this is what Jane does. And so uh, reach out to her at Jane at janewaltonconsulting.com uh, and say that you heard about uh, her here at Entree Architect Podcast um, and talk through some of the things that you're dealing with. And she'll be able to help you with many, many different things, with teams, with leadership. Um, with, with execution and, and uh, delegation, all of these different things, she's an expert on it. And she's really good at the coaching side. And so reach out to her. Uh, Jane, this is, this is all, I love having you on here because you have such knowledge. You know our community well. Uh, you know the things that we're good at, the things that we're, we're not so good at. Uh, and it's really great to have conversations with you and learn from you on, on how to, uh, to execute on some of this. And this, this podcast episode about delegation is one that, that needs to be listened to over and over and over again. Uh, we just, you just gave us the process. So they can develop this process right into a checklist and bring it to your next delegation and give it a try, right? And so Jane, thank you. Thank you for coming by and, and sharing your knowledge once again here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. Always good to be here. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Links to all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. And thank you to RCAT, Studio Services Bookkeeping, FreshBooks, and Twinmotion for their support of this podcast. Entree Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. We're curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership, ready to edit business resources, live monthly training for architects, business training that is, a supportive architect community. Yep, it's there. And Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for small firm entrepreneur architects just like you. It's in there for you at Entree Architect Academy. It's waiting for you right there at the membership. 
Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends. Visit entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today. Be well, my friends. Be healthy, happy, safe, and secure. Thank you for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.